Now, Father, would you speak to us from your word? Would you encourage, Lord God, all of us, but specifically the mothers and the women in the house today? Would you draw us in, Lord God, to this incredible portrait of what authentic biblical womanhood looks like? Help us, Lord God. We want to be like you. It is to that end that I'm available to you. Use me, Father, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. If you have your Bibles, please meet me in Proverbs 31 on this Mother's Day. Please meet me in Proverbs 31. Uh, a couple of things as you're navigating your way there. One, I, we, we are serious about uh, making disciples here, uh, about producing, reproducing followers of Jesus Christ. Um, there is a, um, a kind of selfishness, narcissism um, that many Christians stumble into, and uh, they think really church is all about me, and I need a word for me, and what's happening with me, and it, is it going to help me, and is the kids ministry for me? And yes, we want to build into you, but ultimately God doesn't save you for you. God, God saves you, and he expects for you to take what has been deposited in you and give it away to other people. All right? Y'all, y'all going to be quiet. Preach, pastor. Preach. Thanks. Thanks, music stands. All three of you. Thank you very much. And so I just want to encourage you that we're, we're here to equip you. We, we want to give you the tools that you need to be out there the kind of Christian God has called you to be. We want to reach the bay, and what that's going to demand is not addition, but multiplication. So we, we want you to multiply. So every time you hear the, the message, think not just what's, what's God saying to me, but how can I take what I'm learning and give it away to someone else, All right? So that's what we're doing, um, and to help us with that, I, I, I want you to do everything you can to get here next Saturday, May 20th, uh, just give me a half day and you're going to learn exactly what discipleship is and how to make a disciple. Because the Great Commission is not the great suggestion. This is not something that God is just suggesting. But I want you to do everything you can. We're going to sit at the feet of, um, of an incredible leader uh, who, who I don't know of anyone better to bring in to share with you what disciple making is all about. One more announcement. The, um, our youth ministry asked me to share uh, this with you. This Friday, May 19th at 6.30 p.m., there's going to be a time of fellowship, peer-to-peer learning, self-reflection. Um, and it's, it's not going to be just for the kids, but it's going to be for the parents of someone uh, who's in youth ministry, junior high and high school. Some of you are like, I'd love to be at that, but uh, what am I going to do about child care? Child care will be provided for all of your little ones. Uh, If you're a teacher of junior high or high school, you're welcome. Parent, you're welcome. If you bring a youngster to church, you're welcome. If you're involved in any way in their life, this is a time and place for you. Space is limited. Please see Elizabeth or Deanna at one of our connection stations right after service. So hopefully, hopefully you'll be able to make it. Pick me up in verse 10, Proverbs 31. Last week I gave a word to men And I asked the question, is there a Boaz in the house? This week, I'm going to give a word to women, and I'm going to ask the question, is there a Proverbs 31 woman in the house? Verse 10, the writer says, an excellent wife who can find. 
She is far more precious than jewels. The heart of her husband trusts in her, and he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not harm. I love that. All the days of her life, she seeks wool and flax and works with willing hands. She is like the ships of the merchant. She brings her food from afar. She rises while it is yet night and provides food for her household and portions for her maidens. She considers a field and binds it with the fruit of her hand. She plants a vineyard. She dresses herself with strength and makes her arms strong. Make note of this verse, verse 18. She perceives that her merchandise is profitable. Her lamp does not go out at night. She puts her hands to the distaff and her hands hold the spindle. She opens her hand to the poor and reaches out her hands to the needy. She is not afraid of snow for her household, for all her household are clothed in scarlet. She makes bed coverings for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Her husband, verse 23, is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them. She delivers sashes to the merchant. Strength and dignity are her clothing. Make note of this phrase. And she laughs at the time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. She looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praises her. Many women have done excellently, but girl, you surpass them all. Your your version doesn't say that. Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Give her of the fruit of her hands and let her works praise her in the gates. Naturally, if I were to commission someone to draw a portrait of me, quite naturally, that person who I commissioned would look to me and to no one else as their sole point of reference. They would either ask for a picture of me or or I would come into their studio or some environment and I would sit down and they would take a white canvas and for the next several hours, days, weeks, their head would be on a swivel as they would look to me, their point of reference, and back to their canvas, to me, back to their canvas, to me, back to their canvas. And they would, as best they could, copy me onto the canvas that they are drawing on. For the next several moments, ladies, I want your head to be on a swivel. God has commissioned you to live a life of authentic, biblical womanhood. God has called every woman in the house to incarnate, as long as you have breath, what he, what he intended when he made you a woman. God has not left you ladies hanging. He has not left you to, to kind of make it up. No, he's given you an exact portrait of the kind of woman he wants you to be. That portrait is found in a lot of ways in Proverbs 31. 
It's not so much found in our culture. Ladies, God doesn't want you looking to Oprah Winfrey or Hillary Clinton. He doesn't want you looking to Kim Kardashian or Nicki Minaj. I'm not being pejorative there. There's a specific woman in the Bible that he wants you to look to as your point of reference. Many women over the course of human history have looked to her. And that woman is found in Proverbs 31. Women, over the next several moments that we have together, I want you to allow to to sit and soak in this text and to ask yourself the question, how much like this woman do I look? We live in a culture that ladies sends us, sends you messages every single day of what a real, authentic, empowered woman looks like. Some of those messages actually are good. Some of those messages line up with the Bible. It's deplorable for me to think that even in 2017, a, a woman doing the same job as a man gets considerably less income than the man does. Our culture is saying something is wrong with that. Men and women should have equal dignity and value. That's actually a thoroughly biblical concept. Men and women are fundamentally equal in essence. But there are some messages that our culture sends about what an authentic, empowered woman looks like that's just not true. So ladies, you're going to have to make up in your mind, who are you trying to look like? What is your point of reference today? God has given you that portrait in our text. As we come to the book of Proverbs, ladies, you, you, you should understand that the book of Proverbs is actually written to a young man. Naturally, the book of Proverbs, the Bible says all scripture is profitable, it's all valuable, it's all useful, so it's meant to be read by, by everyone, male and female alike, but, but actually it's written to a young man. And actually in the book of Proverbs, wisdom is personified as a woman who cries aloud in the street. Don't miss this. The book of Proverbs can actually be summed up in one word. Listen. It's the foolish person who doesn't listen. The fool, by the way, is not the ignorant person. It's not the person who doesn't know better. The fool is the person who actually knows better, but refuse to act, act on what he knows. The wise person is the person who actually listens. Almost at your neighborhood, in the book of Proverbs, you should also understand that, that this, this book on wisdom, wisdom is never postured in Proverbs as theoretical information. It's never just postured as um, some kind of book smarts where you just kind of take notes and stuff it and cram it in your mind. No, wisdom fundamentally is shoe leather. And in fact, in the book of Proverbs, there are three major streams in which wisdom comes to us, all of, it, all of which are postured, not theoretically, but relationally. If you're here today and you're seeking wisdom, God has said there are three main relational structures that I am providing by in which you're to get wisdom. One, it's in your relationship with God. The book of James says, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. The primary relationship for you to get guidance 
ain't Siri. It ain't your girlfriend. The primary stream is the one who created you and loved you so much that he sent his only son to die for you. It's God. Second stream, young people, you need to know this. Second stream of wisdom, relationally, it's not just in your relationship with God, but it's also in the book of Proverbs. It's in your relationship with your parents. It's the great Mark Twain who said, you know, when I was 13 years old, my father was the dumbest human being on the face of the earth. But when I was 21, I was amazed at how much the old man had learned in eight years. (laughs) What is he saying here? He's being facetious, of course. Mark Twain would go on to later on say, youth is a gift wasted on the young. Youth is a gift wasted on the young. Some of our young people, they just know everything. And you need to understand, young people, that God has given you a receptacle of wisdom. And it's found in your parents. Third relational avenue is what our text deals with. That wisdom is also available to us in marriage. In fact, men, because Proverbs is directed to a man, in context, you need to understand that men, we need to understand that God oftentimes speaks to us profoundly through our wives. Only three times in 18 years of marriage have I pulled out what I call the proverbial husband card. It's when I've said something to the effect of, I hear what you're saying, sweetheart, but we're not going to do that. We're going to do that over here. I've only done that three times. Two of those times, I was sorry I did that. (laughs) Ladies, let's just face it. God has given you this discernment thing. You have this sixth sense. Now, don't get arrogant. You don't bat a thousand all the time. You've been wrong. But I tell you, I had this one friend of mine. My wife never liked him. She just never, never liked him. And uh, we used to get into arguments about me hanging out with him. And literally about 12 years later, all the stuff came out. And she was like, "Mm mm-hmm. I told you. But men, there's something to that, that God speaks to us oftentimes through our wives. And we have to make up our mind, will we be a fool who doesn't listen? Will we at least stop long enough to process that? As we get into this woman, one of the things that we understand in verse 10, I want you to look at it with me. She is called the excellent wife. The Hebrew word for excellent is an interesting word. It's actually a military term. This word excellent was actually used of the leader of the army. Today's term, it would maybe be a general or a colonel. And this is the person leading the army out to battle. And if you were on the other um, army's side and you saw this, this person leading the army out towards you, you would immediately look at that person and you would go, something's different. The way they're dressed the rank, the insignia, the air about them, the way they carry themselves, the, their dignity. There's, there's something different about them. 
It is, it is that idea encapsulated in the word excellent, this idea of something different, something that's a cut, of, a cut above, something that's not ordinary but extraordinary. That's the word that the writer of Proverbs uses to describe this woman. When she walks into the room, there's just something different about her. By the way, this text says nothing about her physical attributes. It has, her difference has nothing to do with the length of her hair, the color of her hair, how much of it is hers versus bought. It says nothing about that. It says nothing about her body parts, the color of her eyes. It has everything to do about her character traits that when this excellent woman walks in the room, extraordinary just broke onto the scene. Something a cut above about her. That's this woman. I mean, you just, just read through the text. Here's, here's this woman during the day. She's out cultivating a field and sweat pouring down off of her brow. But at night, she slips into a purple robe to go to a dinner party with her husband. During the day, she's like a venture capitalist investing in some business or she's in some entrepreneurial deal. But when it comes to her home, she's all in. She's a woman of wealth, but she's not greedy. No, she sees the poor and the needy, and she gives it away. This is the excellent woman. Well, what makes her excellent? Last week, when we were asking the questions, there were Boaz in the house. I gave you six traits, so I guess this week I couldn't give you five, or the ladies would be up in arms. You gave the men six last week, and I can't give you seven, or the men will be up in arms because we only gave them six last week. So let me give you six traits of the excellent wife. If you read through this text, one of the things you should feel is, oh my gosh. I mean, this woman does a lot. Look at what she does on the screen. She's an entrepreneur. She's hardworking. She's generous to the poor. She's compassionate. She's a provider. She's dignified. She's strong. She's godly. She's wise. She's kind. And I'm sure I'm missing a lot more. Unbelievable. One of the things that you immediately see, just making your way through Proverbs 31, 10 through verse 31 at the end of the, of the passage is, what makes her excellent is this woman has what I call phenomenal capacity. She can do a lot of things at once. By the way, this is true of women in general. I am, I, it never ceases to amaze me at a woman's ability to multitask. Why? Because we guys ain't good at multitasking. But women have amazing capacity to multitask. Brothers, I, I should have had about a couple hundred amens on that one, but y'all going to leave me out there by myself. Any husband who's been left with the kids over the course of a weekend, you just need to right now thank the Lord at a woman's amazing capacity to multitask. <laughs> I remember the first time, you know, Corey went away on a women's retreat or something, and, and the first time I was uh, at home with our three sons all at the same time. And I just remember just going, ooh, I can't, I just, man, I got an amazing wife right now. And uh, uh, literally, no, no, I'm not embellishing at all. It, it's not until like the third day when it dawns on me, these jokers hadn't brushed their teeth. I mean, we playing video games, eating Oreos, 
there's no way I'm going to be able to do dinner at the same time, so I'm ordering pizza. I mean, the house is a wreck. I mean, it's just, and then I just remember just kind of watching my wife. I'm just in awe of her ability to multitask. Actually, there's a book out, brothers, I want to encourage you to get it. It's a little small book called For Men Only. It helps you get into the mind of a woman. Even if you don't read it, just sit on the sofa and act like you're reading it. It will be a good night for you. Get this book. It is called For Men Only. It will help you to get into a mind of a woman. And one of the things they say in this book is this. Look at it with me. Here's the main thing you need to know. A key reason for all these female windows is the ratio of gray matter to white uh, matter in the corpus callosum superhighway between the hemispheres of a woman's brain. I know, I know. Essentially, gray matter is like the computing power of the brain where the actual processing and functioning is done. While white matter is like the network cables that connect the computers for speed, allowing them to work together and send signals from one computer to the next. Well, women have more white matter in their brain superhighway than men do. In practical terms, what does this mean? Women's brains are designed specifically to process a lot of different things quickly all at the same time. While men's brains are designed specifically to process deeply one thing at a time without being distracted. Can I get an amen in the house for the scientific data? Uh, Brothers, women are like computers. They can have seven and eight applications going, the internet is on, and no pop-up blockers. That's not us. We just kind of got one thing on the mind. Um, You know, um, yeah, I won't go there. Um, But anyways, um, so so here's what I want you to understand, though. One one time my wife asked me, what are you thinking about? I told her nothing. (laughs) We got into a huge argument because in her mind, that's impossible. And to use the com- computer analogy, uh, women, you need to understand for a band, that's very possible. There are times when all the applications are shut down and there's a screen saver just kind of rolling across, right? <laughs> you just need to understand that. You just need to understand that, right? Um, you know, there's been times, you know, my wife and I have been enjoying one another's company and she says, did you hear that? No, did not hear that. Did not hear that. Because they have just kind of all these things, and they don't know how to shut it down. We men can shut it down. We can compartmentalize with the quickness. I mean, the roof can be on fire, but if something else has our attention, we can stuff that thing way over there and keep it moving. So here's what I want you to see. This Proverbs 31 woman, what is written about this woman is never written about a man in Scripture because we can't do it all like that. Women have this phenomenal capacity. What makes her the excellent wife? She's a woman of incredible capacity. Secondly, though, she's a woman of character. A woman of character. Look at verse 26. She opens her mouth with wisdom, and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. These two character attributes, she is, she's wise and she is kind. This speaks to her character. The Bible says, from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So if wisdom and kindness are tumbling out of her mouth, they are embedded in her heart. She's a woman of character. Again, this text is interesting, ladies. It says nothing about how she looks. It says nothing about how much she weighs. It says nothing about her physical attributes. The focus of the text is on character, 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 
character. This is the focus of scriptures. First Peter chapter 3, look at it with me. Here's Peter exhorting women, specifically wives, and he says to them, Do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair and the putting on of gold jewelry or the clothing you wear. By the way, this is cultural stuff here. Get the bigger point. Don't be so focused on the body, but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart. It's your character. With the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is precious. Here's what Peter is saying. It's the same thing that we see modeled in the Proverbs 31 woman. Ladies, lead with character. Lead with character. I love to fish. Absolutely love to fish. In fact, I'd love to do a men's outing sometime. Just go out fishing. I love freshwater fishing especially. Here's a basic principle to fishing, ladies. The kind of bait you use is often indicative of the kind of fish you catch. Ladies, the kind of bait you use is indicative of the kind of fish you'll catch. If you want to catch a bottom feeder, they got bottom feeder bait. But now if you want some delicious salmon, you can't use bottom feeder bait. Ladies, what kind of bait are you using? If you want a catfish, then be a night crawler. What kind of bait are you using? Now hear me, Bible says you can't pamper, the, the Bible does not say, does not say you can't pamper yourself. But what the Bible does say is make sure that you not only pamper your body, but you're pampering your soul. Ladies, have the spa days, but also make sure you do the fast days. Focus on character. Third thing about this lady is not only is she a woman of high capacity and character, but thirdly, she's a woman of comprehensive value. Comprehensive value. I want to park here for just a few moments. Look at all the spheres that this woman runs in. She's, of course, at home. She's with her husband and kids, but she's also out in the marketplace. Uh, I can't say this in the Bay. It, it wouldn't translate well here. But down south, when I pastor, there's almost this, um, this thing where pastors down south kind of send the message that, hey, fellas, if your wife is working, something's wrong. And I always want to say to these pastors, you haven't read Proverbs 31. This woman works. She's out in the marketplace. She's, she's killing it. She's doing a, a great job. Now, hear me. This, this uh, passage isn't given to us to say that a woman should work or that a woman shouldn't work. What it is saying is it's possible to work and still be godly. It's possible to do all of these things and still be godly. So don't, don't posture the godly woman as some 1950s um, uh, leave-it-to-beaver mom type person. Proverbs 31 woman, watch it. She's in the marketplace, and when she's in the marketplace, she's bringing value. When she's at home, she's bringing value to her kids who rise up and call her blessed. In verse 23, the only verse about the husband, it says how he is valued at the gates. The idea here, commentators are saying, is that husband got to where he is because of the woman that God had given to him. 
So that wherever she's, she's at, at home, in the marketplace, with her husband, doing a business deal, in the boardroom, wherever it may be, girlfriend brings value. That there is a sense in which everything gets kicked up a notch when she walks into the room. Now, why does she bring value? Verse 18, don't miss this. She perceives that her merchandise is profitable. Hear me, girlfriend brings value because she understands that what she possesses is valuable. She's not insecure. She doesn't have low self-esteem. She has what I call redemptive swag. Here is this woman. She walks into the room and she's able to lift up everybody's spirit, bring life to the situation, help to close the deal, whatever it may be. Her children are better, her husband is better, work is better, the bottom line is better, the profit and loss statement gets better because she's on the scene and she's able to bring value because she knows, she perceives that her merchandise is profitable. Now watch this, ladies. You read through the book of Proverbs, there's two kinds of women. Those who bring value and those who bring destruction. In fact, if you want to read about the destructive woman, uh, read Proverbs chapters 5 and 7. She's called the adulterous woman. She destroys a man's character. She destroys a man's reputation. Uh, by the way, I'm not being unnecessarily hard on women. Just like last week, I wasn't being unnecessarily hard on men. I'm focusing on women, though. So we're not letting her off the hook. This is the adulterous woman. She destroys homes. She's a home wrecker. She destroys, she destroys, she destroys, she destroys. Now, let me say this, because someone's in the house today, and you're in this predicament. There's a woman here. You're in this predicament. This is a grace place. We're not condemning you. We're not judging you at all. But there's a woman here, and you are, content, uh, you are, you are content to be another man's part-time job. There's a woman here. You are content to be another man's side dish. And you're going to destroy a home. You're going to destroy a family. Divorce is the number one cause of bankruptcy, so you're going to destroy finances. Again, I came down hard on the men last week, so let's just, here's my question. Why are you settling to be someone else's mistress? Answer, the kind of woman that settles to be another man's mistress does not perceive that her merchandise is good. When you don't understand your worth as a woman, when you don't understand that you are fearfully and wonderfully made, when you don't understand that you have a father who loves you and who has created you in his image, when you have never heard your God say of you what he said of Jesus, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased, when that truth does not settle into your spirit, now you are positioned to bring destruction because you don't realize, baby girl, that your merchandise is profitable. You mean something to God. 
I don't care what another man has called you. And I say to you the same thing I said to the men last week. I don't care what another man is calling you. I don't care what the culture is calling you. I don't, I don't care what's being said about you. You have to stop listening to other people, even to yourself, and you have to start talking to yourself. You have to get up in the morning and preach the gospel to you every single day. You've got to be your favorite preacher of the gospel. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. He who began the good work in me will be faithful to complete it. I am a woman of value. Why is this woman bringing so much value? Because she perceives that her merchandise is profitable. Fourth, she's Christ-centered. She's Christ-centered. Look at verse 31. Rather, verse 30. Charm is deceitful, beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Who fears the Lord, who fears the Lord, who fears the Lord. It's very interesting it, it says that wisdom rolls out of her mouth. Later on, it says that she fears the Lord. The book of Proverbs says that it is the fear of the Lord that is the beginning of wisdom. Why is she so wise? Because the starting blocks for wisdom is the fear of the Lord. This woman walks with the Lord. Ladies, the number one thing you bring to any relationship is your walk with God. My wife and I are coming up on 18 years of uh, being mar married, and I don't, I don't say this to flatter her at all. I've said it to her in private. 18 days into our relationship, I must confess, I was most enamored with the way she looked. 18 years into the marriage, I'm most enamored with her walk with God. To see her at five-something in the morning, pouring a cup of coffee, sitting down with her scriptures, journal wide open, writing out prayers for me, prayers for the kids. I can't tell you how many times I've been on the road, and, and, and my wife and I, we, we shared this app called TripIt, so she knows exactly where I'm speaking, when I'm speaking, and she'll, she'll look at this app, and she'll just send me a text, sweetheart, I see you're speaking tonight at 7. I just want you to know I got you covered. I'm praying for you. If I should outlive my wife and go to her funeral... I will feel as if I am walking in the rain with no umbrella. She covers me. It's good to know I've got a Proverbs 31 woman covering me. And I've got to ask, are there any Proverbs 31 women in the house? I don't know if Mohan is here, but several months ago, I, was, I just had the joy of just being in at his uh, mom's memorial service and sitting in the back of the room and, and hearing Mohan's wife, his mom's daughter-in-law, just singing praise about her mother-in-law. And the number one thing she's talking about is her mother-in-law's walk with the Lord and how she would spend hours on her knees praying. Do you realize that most, most of us who had godly moms, if not all of us, are here today because probably of their prayers? There's stuff you haven't even experienced because you had a mama who prayed for you and who covered you. God forbid if you didn't have that covering. The Bible, sorry to say the Bible, my, my, my grandmama used to say, God has kept us from danger seen and unseen. There's stuff you don't even know that you've been kept from, and a lot of that stuff you've been kept from is someone prayed for you. Someone covered you. Thank God for Proverbs 31 kind of, kind of women. My own mom, there's two things my, my mother does every year. She's 67. She'll be here the second Sunday in August, which means I'll have on a suit because mama don't play that. Um, 
Two things my mom does every year. Uh, every, uh, I think I told you a couple weeks ago, every Easter of every year, she, um, she sends me a check to buy my kids, her grandkids, Easter clothes. I'm like 44, I'm 44 years old. I don't really, I, I'm good. I got it. But hey, she does, that's what she wants to do. But January of every year, my mom sends me a little three by five card with a couple of verses on it and a handwritten note saying, these are verses I'm praying over you for this year. A woman who fears the Lord. Now five, what happens to that kind of woman who fears the Lord? She's secure. She's secure. Look at verses, verse 17. She dresses herself with strength and makes her arms strong. Verse 25, strength and dignity are her clothing. Now hear me. She dresses herself with strength, which means this. I don't mean to bash this, fellas. She ain't waiting on another man to make her strong. She is strong. And what makes her strong is God is her source. Listen, ladies, hear, hear me on this. Your man, your husband, the man you're with, he ain't your source. He's your resource. God is your source. Hear me. I, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping I'm pastor of abundant life until I'm 94 years old. That's what I'm hoping, all right? Probably won't happen, but that's what I'm hoping. But here, and we hear what you understand. Right now, God's primary means of provision in my life financially is through abundant life. But don't get it twisted. This church is my resource. It ain't my source. So that if I were to ever lose my job here at Abundant Life, there's no need to fret because my source owns the cattle on a thousand hills. So I just lost my resource, but I'm going back to my source. Ladies, a man is not your source. God is. That's what makes her secure. Now watch this, watch this, watch this. What happens to a woman who who goes to God as her source. How do we know that this woman has gone to God as her source? Verse 25, and she laughs at the time to come. You know, you know what this means? She ain't worried. She ain't worried about the future. She ain't anxious. She's not given to anxiety. She's not fearful. She laughs at the time to come. She's not giving a worry. You know what worry is? Worry is paying interest on trouble that's not yet due. Worry is paying interest on trouble that's not yet due. In fact, we don't even know if it will come due. The Proverbs 31 woman is not a fearful, anxious, worrying type. Why? Because she keeps going back to her source and back to her source and back to her source, casting all of her cares upon the Lord, knowing that, that the Lord cares for her. And, and she leaves that not just calm, but girlfriend is laughing at the time to come. I was talking uh, not too long ago with an individual in our body um, who's not doing well health-wise. And, you know, she just, person just said to me, um, you know what? I, I want to be here a lot, lot, lot longer if possible. But don't worry about me because if I check out of this life, I'm going to be in a much better place. That's Proverbs 31 woman type stuff. Finally, she's a caring woman. She's a caring woman. Look at verses 20, 27, and 28. She opens her hand to the poor and reaches out her hands to the needy. 
Verse 27, she looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. Here is a caring woman. She sees poor and needy uh, uh, people. She's giving and giving and giving. Even to her own household, she's giving and giving and giving and giving. And how is she able to care? Because she is a caring woman, because she is a sacrificing woman. Her lamp does not go out at night. And she gets up and rises while it is still dark. Now relax, ladies. He's not saying that a Proverbs 31 woman can't sleep. The larger point here is, is that most mamas I know who've done a good job, they've sacrificed. Being a mama is one of the most thankless jobs at the moment. Ladies, if you've ever watched a football game as we close, you have no doubt probably seen that moment where a 200-plus pound running back or tight end or wide receiver crosses the end zone, spikes the ball, and then later on the camera will pan on them. And this is where we men get a little bitter because they don't say, hi, dad. They don't say, thanks, dad. They say, hi, mom. Thanks, mom. What are they doing in that moment? In many instances, not every instant, but in that moment, what they are acknowledging is mama's sacrifice. What they are saying in so many words is, mama, I could not have crossed the end zone and scored the touchdown if it was not for your investment in my life. Thanks, mom, for working multiple jobs to put food on the table. Thanks, mom, for helping me out with every homework assignment that you could. Thanks, Mom, for working two and three jobs and coming home dog-tired but still putting food on the table. Thanks, Mom, for coming up with the money. I don't know how you did it to pay my athletic fees. Thanks, Mom, for taking me to practice when you didn't feel like it. Thanks, Mom, that even though you and Dad may not have worked out for never talking bad about my father around me. Thanks, Mom, for everything you've done. I've scored a touchdown because of your sacrifice. I wonder if there's any men in the house today. You may not have played professional ball, but you've scored touchdowns in your own way. And you understand that whatever successes you've gathered in life, it is because of what God did. I wonder if there's any man who would have the audacity to say, Thanks, Mom. Thanks for your sacrifice. Thanks for your generosity. Thanks for... and feel as if you had it. Thanks, Mom. I am here today because of your care and sacrifice. That's what a Proverbs 31 woman does. As we close, this is in a large way what Christ has done for us. The Christ that we serve is a caring Christ who nurtures us, who adopts us into his family. And how do we know he cares for us? Because like this Proverbs 31 woman, he sacrificed. But he paid the highest sacrifice when he got on a cross, died in our place, and for our sins. You know what the Proverbs 31 woman teaches us? She teaches us that you've got to have something beyond you that you tap into to make it through this life. The only way she's able to survive is because she plugs in to a holy God. She fears God. 
Ladies, gentlemen, your first step into being this kind of person begins with you entering into a relationship with a God who cared so much for you that he gave his only son to die on the cross for you.